You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. Welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. We are in the house here in CR's Northern Command, and I told you earlier this week I was in a really bad mood, and it was just Monday. Well, (laughs) I don't know what adjective to use in the English language to describe where I am now, other than to say that the only way we're ever going to come up with a solution is by not deluding ourselves as to the nature of the problem. And to stop getting distracted by nonsense. This business of, oh, the Democrats are worse, but the Democrats did this, it's getting a little old. It's getting a little old when we don't have a party or a movement that could stand for the veracity of its own views or even knows what its views are. You know, we're proud at Conservative Review to have remained consistent throughout all this tumultuous political period the last two years. We have reams of writings on every major policy issue, both from a 30,000-foot philosophical level, historical, constitutional, legal level, and a specific policy-oriented level as it relates to the current issues. We know what we stand for. We have our list of ideas, systemic reforms, specific policy reforms that are frankly very easy to message most of the time, even for this fundamentally transformed you know, demographically, education-wise country, if we weren't trapped in this contaminated body of the Republican Party, it would actually resonate with a lot of voters if we didn't have this baggage. You know, I said last week that I'm under no illusion that if we had a consistent, principled, conservative president without baggage, that the media would give him baggage. The media is going to do what they do. They're going to throw their punches. You know, obviously, had Ted Cruz become president or Rubio or any anyone, Jeb Bush, they would have done the same thing, meaning relentlessly attacking the Republican president and areas where they wouldn't attack the Democrats. Double standard. I get that. But it's sure the heck a lot easier for them to do damage. When it's true. Now, the fact that Democrats did it, too, does that's true. Also, it's all true. But why should we have the glass jaw? Why should we have the baggage? Why should we die on hills that we don't even believe in? Whether it's policy-wise, whether it's scandal-wise. You know, to me, it was, it was really brought out this week when, when Trump gave the commencement speech at the Coast Guard Academy, standing in front of servicemen that are going to be placed into meat grinders, which, by the way, he's continuing the past administration policies on them. We've written a couple articles about that at Conservative Review. But I digress. He went and used some of the time in his speech whining about how he's treated about the media. Oh, I've been up against everything. I've been the most unfairly treated person ever by the media. Actually, Bozo, it's Ted Cruz. Uh, You know, if you remember in the primary, when the media, people forget this. Yes, the media was originally against him, but when it boiled down to him and Cruz eventually, 
they savage cruise and, and and literally ran with every lie he put out there the birther stuff whatever he'd put out on cruise the media ran with it certainly fox news but even the the, the democrat media they were in his tank he's a creation of the media you live by the media you die by the media but anyway that's not important the important thing is really this is what you're going to use the commencement address for patronizing our military i mean what I mean, now, I'm sure the click conservatives out there, and I forget, uh, one of our listeners on, on Twitter coined that term, uh, maybe maybe several, great term, click conservatives. That, that's what we've become. So all these websites and talk show hosts, oh, but the Democrats, but, but Obama did the same thing. He spoke in front of the military and then was all uh, egotistic and made it about himself. Okay, uh, lovely. I'm, I'm sure someone's digging up that clip now. But how do we defend someone doing it under our banner? This is what I don't understand. There's no floor to this binary crap. There's no limit to it. There's nothing this man could do for which the conservatives won't have a way of saying, well, Obama did this in some capacity and the media didn't mind it. You're right. They're hypocritical. But we did mind it when Obama did it. and Now we don't mind it when Trump's doing it. So we're also hypocritical. I don't get it. You, you could literally have Trump run a gay brothel out of the White House, and you'll have the next minute conservative click conservatives out there saying, well, Barney Frank did the same thing and the media didn't care. <laughs> I mean, there's no limit to this. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, all of this for what? You know, there's one thing if you have a president that's literally delivering the goods, being conservative on the policies, but he has a lot of drama baggage does some morally repugnant things you know just indefensible practices in general you know it's it's intellectually dishonest enough to defend the guy even if you're getting what you want but at least you're getting what you want but for a guy he, here's the irony there's there's a dual narrative of this week if you look at a 30,000 foot view of the last two weeks there's what there's the scandals and then there are the policy betrayals. Now, no one discussed the policy betrayals because, you know, the liberals are obviously busy focusing on the scandals and conservatives are busy focusing on defending Trump from the scandals. But no one's missing the irony here. I Sorry, folks, but, you know, I'm a little bit reluctant to spend my energy and capital defending a man against the media when he agrees with the media on most of the important policy outcomes. I mean, just came down now. That this man is, uh, I mean, we knew this already for a while, but but it made, it made it official. He is reneging on the campaign promise to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Straight up betrayal. Went the way of the Iran deal, Obamacare, Obama's amnesty, you know, building the wall, defunding Planned Parenthood, cutting spending, you name it. Every major betrayal. The man is treating Israel like crap. And that's the thing. Look, is it true that the media uses a microscope on a Republican president and not on the Democrat, and then it gives people the wrong context because it looks like everything is new and really it's been done? Obama shared, you know, Israeli intelligence or actually divulged um, the location of their nuclear facilities in retaliation for them posing the Iran deal. Uh, of course, but but. There's a difference between fake news when the media makes things up and it's totally wrong, which they've done, 
and things that he he absolutely admitted to doing. So, you know, reflexively, oh, it's fake news. Whoops. And then an hour later, Trump admits to doing it. So even if the magnitude of what he did is not, you know, as problematic as the media makes out to be, and it's lacking context that Democrat presidents have done the same, and, you know, and it's not illegal what he did, but gee, I mean, rather than the litmus test being, well, the Democrats did it too, so it's okay if we do it, shouldn't it be the opposite? What would we be saying if a Democrat would do the same thing? And if the answer is we'd be raising hell and calling the guy a, 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 a traitor, which we would do if you had a Democrat president, and we, and we did do, you know, divulging intel from an ally and giving it to freaking Putin, um, endangering their person, and just the casual nature of that. I mean, again, I, I don't care about any of the other details. That in itself, we already know, is is either malfeasance or pure incompetence. We'd be all over it. What, I'm going to sit and defend that all day? And for what? Betraying us on everything. On Islam, on, on I mean, kissing up to the Arab world. Well, we were promised this man's going to fight for us. You know, disgrace, refusing to condemn what went on a, on our own soil. When Erdogan, you know, he, he says, I was honored to meet with Erdogan. So you trash Israel and embrace Erdogan. Gee, where did we find that before? Trash our allies and embrace our enemies. Huh. That sounds familiar. This man goes, embraces Erdogan at a time when, when, when this man is, is funding mosques, Muslim Brotherhood mosques, the largest one outside of D.C. In, in America. And Erdogan's henchmen beat up anti-Erdogan protesters, you know, Kurdish folks, whatever, on American soil, <laughs> replicating what goes on in Turkey on our soil. I mean... Erdogan is the chief Islamo-Nazi of the world, of the Sunni world. He is to the Sunni world what the mullahs in Iran are to the Shias. I mean, that is, he is public enemy number one of America. So you're kissing up to him, but trashing Israel in the same week. Won't even recognize the, you know, we spoke about this last podcast, and since then, they wouldn't even recognize the Western Wall as part of Israel. That was the very last point of contention of the Obama administration. When every conservative talk radio an entire week, I remember, was yelling about it. How disgraceful, immoral, repugnant, telling Jews where they could live, not recognizing their birthright. This, it's a values issue. It's a strategic issue. It's a obsessing about, about Israel and where Jews could live at a time when Islam is blowing things up. And this bastard is so obsessed with the peace process. Because nothing says drain the swamp America first and a refreshing change like the two-state solution and the Oslo Accords. But so obsessed with it that he doesn't want to move the embassy and fulfill his campaign promise because it might uh, sour his uh, PLO, his newfound PLO friends to come to the negotiating table. What an utter disgrace. So, so we're facing a wipeout, an electoral wipeout. For what? There's one thing if you implement your conservative policies, people reject it, and you're like, all right, at least I, I tried. We're dying for liberal policies, for indefensible things, for, for speaking at a Coast Guard uh, commencement address and talking about yourself. I, you know what I mean? What, what I'm supposed to, oh, but, but he, oh, uh, uh, Nikki Haley said some good things in the UN. And meanwhile, the State Department confirmed to us 
our buddy Jordan, you know, spoke with them that she doesn't represent their foreign policy. They said it straight up. I mean, this is this is Orwellian. On Israel's 50th anniversary of winning back in, in a miracle of biblical proportions, Judea and Samaria, this man goes ahead and trashes and won't even recognize the Western Wall. Who are, and yet, no, no talk of it on, on talk radio. So focused on all oh, the scandals, oh, how terrible it is. What a disgrace. What an utter disgrace. We've lost our soul. What is this? What are we getting from it? I mean, this, this, is, <laughs> this is the Flight 93 presidency. And, and, and I'm so, I apologize. I would not make that analogy. And I know it's, I've gotten some comments from people. But I would have never written that. But you know, once that article was written, that famous article, um, the the flight ninety three election. Look, that guy put it in the lexicon, and I'm allowed to tweak it and make fun of it and demonstrate why it was wrong to use that analogy. So I'm going to tweak it by saying this is the flight ninety three presidency. You know, if you remember, the main gist of that seminal article that was passed around the election was that basically, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of thing uncertainty about Trump, but there's no other choice. Either way, we're going to go down like a hijacked plane. So we just got to storm the 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 cockpit. And you know, I, I agreed with a lot of the philosophy broadly behind it. That yeah, the, the establishment is irremediably broken. The Republican Party, but the answer, the storming the cockpit, is starting a new party and thinking outside the box, not Trump. Because there there were two things where two areas where that article got it wrong. Number one is, well, Trump's not the solution. It's not storming the cockpit because he is the hijacker. Again, not not to say he started the problem. The GOP was broken before him, but he's the embodiment of it. I mean, we predicted it. He's he's part of it. He's he's the same thing, albeit with more baggage and indefensible, you know, muddled bungling um, that makes you look like an even bigger fool. And, and, and what's worse is that in rhetoric, he says some of our stuff, so it paints... It, it, it dips our gold in feces. It's even worse. I've always said that. The only thing worse than having Republicans implement liberal policies is doing it under your banner. So you get blamed, your policies get sullied, and, and you lose long term. And that's what's happening now. So, you know, that's number one. Number two is where they got it wrong is, you know, from listening to me last year, I fundamentally reject this notion that every four years, and they, they, they recycle it every four years. This is the scam to keep voting Republican. This is do or die. There's a bright red line. There's a cliff. If you vote Republican, we're saved. If you vote Democrat, we die instantly. Right? That's the Flight 93 analogy. And anyone with a shred of intellectual honesty knows it's not true, especially because Republicans keep re- recycling that every four years, even though we were supposed to die already. But then we get a you know resurrection to vote Republican again. But the point being that it's worse than this author made it out to be, and it's better. At the same time, it's both worse and better. And what I mean by that is it's not a cliff and a bright red line. It's more of a, it's a rolling hill. It's, it's, a, it's a going downhill, a slope, where to a certain extent, you know, our country is fundamentally transformed. We're not getting it back. I mean, that, that's clear. Values-wise, culturally, economically, freedom-wise, the system of government, that, that, that's patently obvious. So it's, it's gone already. It's already dead. The plane already crashed. But to the extent there's something worth salvaging and that we have an ability to at least salvage something that's 
on net worth our time and effort and responsibility, it's not going to go away carte blanche in one presidency. It's just, you know, that's just not true. And, and I always said at the time, I said, you know, game theory it out. You know, you could wind up something much worse. You could wind up destroying your side over this. Democrats come roaring back in two and four years from now with a much bigger mandate. And you get everything you didn't want to get. Which leads me to my question, and that's this. We were told throughout everything but the Democrats, right? The Holy Grail is but the Democrats. So you have to violate your conscience. You have to violate your principles. Anything goes, anything just the means to the ends as long as you defeat the Democrat, even though you're supporting a guy who enacts Democrat policies, but we don't want to get the Democrats. Fine. So if that is what makes you tick, you sit and patronize, how dare you? Oh, we gotta vote for Trump. We don't want Hillary. So don't you have an obligation at this point, if nothing changes very quickly and this continues to go downhill, Aren't you the first ones that have an obligation to get up there as a Flight 93 presidency and say, we need to storm the cockpit and all of his supporters need to get up and say, you must resign. Because if this is all about ensuring that Democrats don't get back into power, you are in, if you don't do that, again, I'm not a huge fan of Mike, uh, Mike Pence, especially in recent years, but I mean, that's the only way to you know, get your foot in the cockpit door there. And maybe you know, that was the whole point of the article. Maybe you save us, maybe you don't, but certainly if you don't, you know, don't take that action, we're going down. So that that's where we are now. If you don't change the game, we are done. This is going to be a wipeout beyond belief. And then when Democrats get control of Congress in 2018, then it's, it's a repeat of 2006, if you remember. They're not, they have the best case scenario where they have more power to further expose and embarrass the president, but they don't have to own anything. So it's not like it will flip back to the Republicans 2020. No, it just greases the skids for them to win in 2020 because Trump will be even more unpopular, assuming even less, just like what happened to Bush. And there's one other point to that. People forget. You know, you could make the argument, I don't care about losing Congress. We lost Congress anyway. You know, let's face it, Democrats de facto control it because Republicans are Democrats, so it doesn't matter. But keep in mind, 2018, you lose those governorships, and most of the governorships are, 20, are midterms, not presidential years, and state legislatures, there's more state legislative elections, right? That's the state elections are most prominent in, in midterms. That's going to determine reapportionment. That's going to determine redistricting for the next decade. Do you really want to sacrifice that? Don't you have an obligation at some point to say we're getting none of the policy advantages? Yeah, I know you could. Oh, you appoint a commission. You appointed this guy. I mean, but fundamentally, and you have all this liability for what? It's indefensible. The guy's nuts. The guy's a dumpster fire. Again, it doesn't mean that every criticism, every media story on him is valid. They're not mutually exclusive. But, but for us to keep – but the Democrats, ironically, were doing nothing but cementing Democrat policies and getting them elected anyway. So he's may as well actually stand on principle and help save us and maybe not elect Democrats. That's where we are now, folks. I, I don't know what more to say. I mean, I mean the, the, the betrayals are just fast and furious. We forgot about Obamacare, the betrayal on that. Where's Trump on that? 
Oh, just pass something. Now Obamacare is popular. And again, it's not just him. It's built on top of all the other Republicans, a pox upon all their houses. I, I want anyone to defend to me. If you are one of these people, the lesser of two evils people, that the entire point of selling your principles is to ensure Democrats don't win. So isn't this a case where you actually have to stand on principle, where standing on principle and saying the right thing and opposing Trump actually works harmoniously with not electing the, the Democrats? I'd love to see someone defend otherwise. And I'd also love to see someone defend his betrayals. I'd love to see someone defend um, you know, this Russia business. Other than saying the Democrats do it too and the media didn't care. Which is, is not, it's, again, it's not invalid in and of itself. But if that's all we have to offer, who are we? What are we? Man, the week's not even over yet. And I was hoping to put out a third po- podcast. But um, this is an utter, utter disgrace. All I could do is promise to you that we're going to keep telling the truth. We're going to be relentlessly consistent. We're going to have a moral compass of what we believe, independent from the muck. Trump, the establishment, the Democrats, the media, a pox upon all, they're all wrong. That's where we're going to stand. But there's a reality to that. And I'll let you in on a little secret here in this business. The binary idolatry of either you know being forced to ride the red horse or the blue horse is exactly what is making people like this. So there, there's – why are so pe- pe- few people saying what I'm saying? So half of them are just too low – they have too low of an IQ to, to, to realize it. They're just, just totally uninformed. That's some of them. But even the half that get it deep down, they ha- everyone's got to eat. They have a business model problem. They do this for a living. And I'm part of that red team. There is no other team to join. So I, I got to defend it. But the Democrats, but the Democrats, uh, no matter what happens, ignore all the betrayals. Ignore the fact that you're selling your reputation and defending stuff in order to perpetuate liberal policies. Doesn't matter. Because you got to eat. You know, I've had, I've had people tell me like, you know, I, I put out to a group of some conservative leaders and I said, you understand that by molly coddling and, and you know excusing and defending Trump every second, you know you're not going to get what you want. You know, yeah, I, I had I had one guy this week deny to me. So as soon as the story came out that uh, you know East Jerusalem consulate officials were telling Netanyahu's people, how dare you demand that Netanyahu be allowed to walk with Trump to the Western Wall? Um, that's not even part of Israel. So that, that story came out, and, and, and they, no, fake news, no, 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 deny it. Then they, they, no, no, it's not true, it's not true. Everything's very, you know, they, they, they you know, put their fingers in their ear, they don't want to hear the truth. Okay, fine. Then, they, then they're like, well, it's, it's just a bunch of consulate people, it doesn't reflect the administration. And then the administration had 48 hours to come out with a statement, um, and Sean Spicer and, and H.R. McMaster both very carefully worded and, and, and declined to say it's part of Israel. So we were proven right. So I'm just saying like, they, they deny it. Why? Why are they like that? So, so anyway, I, I said to these people, you're, you're doing yourselves no favors and you're doing him no favors because unless you punch him in the face and with blunt force trauma and say, dude, you are betraying us. You are lying in spectacular fashion. 
you are breaking every campaign pledge within within the first few months of your presidency. And again, not just declining to enact your pledge, but downright taking the opposite side of those issues. Being the embodiment of the swamp on the most critical issues of our time. If you if you fail to do that and you say, well, it's some bad staff, well, it's Congress, well, it's it's not really true. He's tried to do it. Well, let's wait and see. You're not going to get anything out of it. It's just a stupid negotiation tactic. I mean, you got to demand it. So you know what I had someone answer me, a friend of mine? He's like, Daniel, you're right. But if I did that, I wouldn't have an organization left. And, and look, I, I don't, I'm not even looking down on him. I understand it. He's right. That this is the problem. And, and don't think for a minute, you know, all these talk radio show hosts, a lot of them that they're that stupid that buy into it. Some of them are. Like I said, some of them are stupid. A lot of them, it's a business model. They feel that they they have to be doing this. You know, we've reached a point in America where, you know, Obama and Trump, it's the same thing, that that Obama could do indefensible things and 90% of Democrats will stick with him. 90% approval. You know, same thing here. Trump, according to latest polls, he has 84% approval among Republicans. It's in the toilet among independents, but, you know, and you can't win like like that. But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what it does to us. It's that corrosive because everyone feels I have nowhere to go. So, so Republican, 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 you know, and Democrats do the same thing. Except the only difference is at least the Democrats are dying on their own hills. They are enacting their policies while they're being corrupt and disingenuous. You know, like I say, they lie, cheat, and steal for for their ideology and their principles. We lie, cheat, and steal for the other side's principles. But that, but that that that's where we're holding at this juncture. And that is why we need to just evacuate from this entire thing. We need to chart a new path. I need help with this. I can't do it alone. You know, we had we had our buddy on um JD Rockers discussing the Federalist Party. We 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 discussed Judge Roy Moore. And by the way, Judge Roy, um let me let me just get the website for you. Uh what are we here? We are <laughs> Judge Roy Moore for Senate.com. That will send an earthquake. I'm going to be announcing some other people I support, and and uh, I hope to have on also this week on our podcast Mark Meckler, the co-founder of the Convention of the States Project, just you know fleshing out what he's doing, why he thinks that's going to help. It's an all of the above approach, but it starts with the recognition that what we're doing is not working. That. This lesser of two evils has made us evil. We've gotten we, we we don't even benefit from the lesser of two evils. This business of but the Democrats, or at least I'm not a good Democrat, but the, the Democrats did the same thing, is making us indistinguishable from the Democrats. This business of, oh, I'm scared to follow principle because I don't want the Democrats to win is making the Democrats win. I mean, all the excuses and arguments that I've heard for the last 15, 20 years not to abandon ship. We've gone 28 years since Reagan, a drought, without a conservative party. Longer than the entire shelf life of the Whig party when they disbanded, when they realized it didn't stand for anything. And, and we're still perpetuating the same game. And, and look, I used to be on the other side of that. I, I used to say, so no, 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 you, you, let's make the, fix the party within. And don't, 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 you know, we can't allow the Democrats to win and split the vote and, uh, you know, the, the surgery that it will require. It's not worth it. We can't have Pelosi. We can't have Obama. You know what? We had it, and we're going to get it, and we're going to continue to get it if we don't change the name of the game. Looking forward to seeing you guys again, but 
I just want to close the thought by saying, this is why I need you to support our sponsors. Everything costs money. Everyone's got to eat. This is why everyone has limitations. It all boils down to money. That's why even people that recognize the truth in this movement will not say it because they're like, I don't have a salary. We don't have those limitations here. There has never been, you know, I've written, um, you know, we've had about 115 podcasts. I've written, you know, thousands of articles. There was never a single time that I was muzzled by internal, you know, management here that I couldn't say anything I believed in. There's never a single time. And that's a beautiful thing. But that's why I need you guys to, to support our sponsors. I need you guys to go to birchgold.com forward slash CR. Get your 15-page guide, um, free guide, how to invest in precious metals, including in IRAs, diversifying your portfolio. I need you guys to support Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithcr.com, preparewithcr.com. And to get your subscription to CRTV, $10 off with promo code Horowitz, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z. They finally gave me my own code. I need you guys to do that. That's how we keep the lights on, and um, that's how we keep telling the truth. No one else has managed to do this in this business. They're all constrained. It all boils back back to money and donors. Like I said, we don't have that problem ideologically, but you know, because we're good ideologically, we don't have a lot of money. <laughs> we don't have big donors. We don't have you know an endless flow of money. It's not. This is not free. We have, we have a committed staff that is the best. I mean, I'm so proud of my guys, my deputies, um, a lot of young guys that you know last couple of years graduated from college and have really grown into thoughtful conservative leaders. It's one of one of personally just my proudest accomplishments. Um, Nate Madden, Jordan Schachtel, you know, we got we got uh, Chris Pandelfo. I want to leave out names. Um, it's a small team, it really is, and you know, very dedicated, but we need you guys to support our sponsors so we could keep telling the truth. We could keep brainstorming, praying for solutions. Ultimately, in God we trust. He is our salvation. He is our rock. Until next time, God bless you all. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. <laughs>